Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. We're in week two of our series, uh, Holy Week, Entering the Passion of Jesus. And I told you last week that my prayer for this series has been that, that we all would be able to just take a step or two closer to Christ, that we would be able to ramp up a level, take a step up in our passion for Christ, because he is certainly passionate about us today. In week two, we're going to talk about day two of Passion Week, which was Monday. The enemy of our soul has two main weapons that he uses. One is distraction. He will try to, or I'm sorry, deception. He will try to deceive you. He will try to get you to believe that the Bible is not the Bible, that Jesus is not Lord, that Christianity is not real and does not work. He deceives with addiction. He'll use all kinds of sin and unbelief to, to draw you away and to neutralize you and your faith. He is a deceiver. And what you come to see if you live long enough and you spend enough time, you gain some maturity and wisdom, what you come to realize is that he can use deception. And if deception doesn't work, he goes to the second tactic, which is distraction. And he uses a lot of things to get us distracted, to make us weak, to take advantage of us. There are a lot of things at his disposal, but his two main ones are deception and distraction. And I think as much as anything, the devil loves to get us doing a bunch of nothing. I think what he really wants to do is he wants to get us to do things that we think we're doing for the Lord, but we're really not moving the needle. We're just kind of spinning our wheels, but we, we, it makes us feel good that we did something. And if he can just get us to the point where we just do a little and we don't take it too far and we don't get too engrossed and we don't move the needle too much, then he's okay with that. I think he wants us to care about things that don't matter. He wants us to put our focus on things that don't matter. And he wants to keep us distracted. He wants to neutralize us. I think he's okay with you coming to church. I just don't think he wants you to take it serious. I think it's okay with him if you come to church as long as you don't take a few steps closer to Jesus. That would be a problem. And he's perfectly fine if you want to pray as long as you really don't take it serious and you really don't mean it and nothing really happens. I think he'd be just fine. Mark chapter 11, verse 11. It's a very interesting passage. I, I told the first service, I, I've been reading my Bible my whole life and I, you, know, it's, you never know when you're going to learn something new. And this week, I learned something new this week. I did not realize this. I've read this passage. I just had never stopped long enough to think about, you know, sometimes you just start reading and you get by something and it's like it's gone and you don't realize, hey, that was significant. Mark 11, verse 11, Jesus entered Jerusalem. You know, last week we talked about how he sent the guys into town. He said, you're going to find a donkey that's never been ridden. It belongs to somebody else. Untie the donkey. Um, somebody's going to come out and ask you, Who, what are you doing? And you just tell them the teacher has need of this donkey and it happened all like that. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts, and then this is interesting. This is the thing that I've not seen before. He went into the temple courts and looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So get this, it's Sunday. We, last week was about Sunday, the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The, it's Palm Sunday. It's you know, people are waving palm branches. They're throwing cloaks down in front of the donkey. They're singing Hosanna. It's just this... It's like a parade atmosphere. It's a very celebratory. And so he comes into town, but he, he, 
he's going to go to the temple, and you've got to understand the temple is it's big. There's a lot going on. There's a courtyard. There's some things in the courtyard. There's a place for women. There's a place for Gentiles. It's very organized, and there's a lot. It's a very religious place. Then there's the holy place and the holy of holies, and it's where all these sacrifices and, and you know, represents the feasts and the festivals, and it's all kinds of stuff going on, and it's a pretty big place. And Jesus just kind of walks in on that Sunday night, and he just surveys it all. And he's just looking around. He's watching what people do. He's just, he's downloading information. I love that verse because it assures me of several things. Number one, Jesus isn't rash. He's not impulsive. He's very contemplative. He's taking everything in. It's not in a hurry. But he's also informed. He's informed about me and my life. He's informed about you and your life. He knows what's going on in my life. He knows exactly what's going to happen. He knows exactly what I need. He looks around on that Sunday night, and he decides it's too late to do anything. He walks the two miles back to Bethany, which is where the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, his good friends, are. I think he loved being in Bethany. If Jesus had a home in adulthood, I think that's probably it. He loved being with them. Verse 12, the next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. So, it's not the time for fig trees to be bearing figs. It's not really time for them to be in leaf. But he sees this fig tree, and it's, it's got leaves on it. And the best thing I can figure is that this tree was just had a head start on all the others. The other fig trees probably didn't look like this. They probably didn't have any leaves on them. But he saw this one, and he's like, well, if there's leaves on it, then there must be some figs there. So he approaches the tree. He looks at the tree. There are no figs on the tree. And then we read in verse 14, Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. And then this next verse has always been a little difficult for me, and I'm going to explain to you why in just a minute. But I've been reading this passage my whole life, and I've always struggled with it. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts and began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. Has that ever bothered anybody else? I would read that, and I, here, here's, here was my problem. I was raised that you don't turn over the tables that someone else owns, right? You don't walk into somebody else's yard and let their dog out of the cage. I was raised that that's, that's just not how you behave, that you respect other people's property and you respect, and here's Jesus going in, and I, I know people can make the argument, well, he's God, he owns it all. I get that, but the people that are watching, they don't see it that way, and they, you know, he's turning over other people's tables, and he's letting these turtle doves go. They don't belong to him, and for a long time, I struggled with it, and, and here's part of the other problem I've always had with this verse. This is the verse as a youth pastor that was always used with me to tell me that I couldn't do fundraisers in the church. 
Well, Jesus turned over the money tables, and so we know Jesus doesn't want us to have a fundraiser in the church. Well, once I came to understand what this was all talking about, you understand that that mentality just doesn't make sense. Here's what's going on. Maybe you know this already. It took me a while. I, I think I was in Bible college by the time I learned this. You, you would come into the temple, you would come into Jerusalem from out of town somewhere. You would have in tow your family, some things you're carrying along with you, but one of the things you've got is a sacrifice you're going to make at the temple. It's a goat or a sheep of some kind, a ram, and it's tethered somehow, you're, you're, you know, it's pulling it behind you. You've gone through your herd, you've looked for the best one you can find because that's part of sacrifice, is sacrificing your best. You're looking for one without blemish. Well, one of the things that you had to do when you got to the temple was you would approach this booth in this booth, at this booth, someone would greet you there and they would inspect your sacrifice to see if it was worthy, if it was without blemish, could it be offered on the temple's uh, altar? Here's what they didn't tell you. The answer was always going to be, no, this one's not good enough to offer, offer on the altar of the temple. But it just so happens we have some that are pre-inspected and we'd be happy to sell you one of those, and you can offer it on the altar, and oh, by the way, we'll give you a discount if you want to leave that animal with us. Well, you didn't want to carry this animal around. You brought it to sacrifice. It's in the way. It's a problem. You're, you're going to buy goods. You're going to buy supplies. You're going to go home with a lot of things. You don't need one more animal to take care of. So, you know, if it's going to get me a discount on the one I've got to buy from you, okay, you keep mine. I'll take yours. Then the next guy comes up, and his isn't good enough either. And oh, by the way, we'll sell you one, and the one they sell you is the one they just took from the guy that they said it wasn't good enough. Okay? You see the corruption. You see how they're taking advantage of people. This is the holy place. This is where the religious leaders are basically running things, and these are the kind of things that are going on in the temple. And Jesus sees it, and it goes right through him, and it makes him angry. So if you're ever at a church, and they tell you that you can't do fundraisers because Jesus cleansed the temple, they don't understand the verse, okay? They just don't understand the verse. Then you get to verse 16. And you know, some verses in Scripture, they just, you want to speak them a little louder, a little more volume. I think verse 16 is just such a verse. So let's go back to the second half of 15. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. Well, what's that about? So here's what that's about. If you were to look at a, an overview of the temple and the way it sat in the city of Jerusalem and you were on the western side and it, let's say that you had some things and you were going to want to go to the Mount of Olives which was out of Jerusalem and down through the Kidron Valley and, and then out to the Mount of Olives. You have two ways to do that. The, the normal, the prescribed way is that you go below the temple, you go around the temple on the south side and you come up and then you go out to the east to the uh, Mount of Olives. Um, I, I use this illustration for a service. I think it's kind of like 465. You know, when you're going into the city of Indianapolis off of 70, you hit 
465 and you can go underneath the city and go out and then hit 70 or 74 or wherever you're going. And, I, and so that's kind of what you were supposed to do. You were supposed to go around the temple, go below it and, and then out. Problem is that was a quarter of a mile to a half mile further than just coming up to the temple wall and going through the gate and cutting through the temple. And so this is what people are starting to do. This is a holy place now. This, this represents God's presence. This is a place of prayer. But now you've got all these people with all these goods, all this merchandise, and they're cutting through the temple. And Jesus sees it. And he's not happy, and he says, no, no, no. That's not what this is for. You're, you're abusing. You're, you're taking advantage we're going to shut this whole thing down. Verse 17, and as he taught them, he said, is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. Then we come to verse 18. It's pretty ominous. The chief priests and the teachers of the law heard this and began looking for a way to kill him, for they feared him. I think you could maybe even translate that word hated him because the whole crowd was amazed at his teaching. And that makes sense, because here's what I know about Jesus. You start hanging out with Jesus, and Jesus, powerful people don't like being around Jesus. Because Jesus is going to ask powerful people to give up some of that power. He's going to call them to be humble. He's going to call them to share. He's going to call them to be benevolent. He's going to call them to do some things that they just don't want to do. They're, they want power. They want fame. They want glory. They want money. They want it all. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, that's not healthy for you, for one, and that's not what God designed, and you need to change the way you see some of that. And they didn't like it. And there are still today, I think, plenty of people who hate Jesus because he is a threat to their kingdom. He's a threat to their power and their authority because when Jesus shows up, he's the one with the power, he's the one with the authority, and it just, people don't like him. Verse 19, when evening came, Jesus and his disciples went out of the city. So he's come, he's, he's done this. He's going to leave the city now. In the, morning, the, 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 in the morning, as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. And then, this is awesome, Jesus says, have faith in God. I love that part of the story, the way it ends. Have have faith in God. Don't be distracted by all these other things around you. Have faith in God. Keep relying on God. Keep looking to God. Don't worry about all this other stuff. Don't be distracted by all these other things. Look to God. Trust God. Put your hope and your affections in him. <clears throat> I remember being in the car with my mom. And it wasn't in our neighborhood because our neighborhood didn't have these, but we were in some neighborhood and I saw a crossing guard. And I thought, you know, I'm a kid, and I thought, I would love to have that job. I mean, they had the sash, you know, had the flashy colored vest on. Sometimes they wore a hat that said crossing guard. They gave them, some of them had the, the flashlight with the little cone, looked like a, 
little sawed-off Star Wars kind of thing. And I saw those guys, and I saw, hey, they walk out, they hold up their hand, they can stop traffic. I'm like, how cool is that? You're going to stop. You guys, come on, come on. Come on, you all stop. Hold on, we're going to go this way. Come on. And I thought, man, what? look at the power that guy's got. He'd take his little flashlight and wave the kids, you know, like cross the street. Okay, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the job I want. Jesus walked into the temple that day. He looked around and he knew this is all going in the wrong direction. This is, uh, this is not what this is all about. This is not what God wants. There's so much busyness. There's so many errands being run. They're cutting through the temple area. See, they're not going below. They're packing all their stuff right through the middle of the temple. And Jesus stands in front of the people and he says, stop the traffic. Knock it off. This is not what I have for you. I love you. I'm going to die for you so that you can have a pure and direct relationship with me. We live in a world full of distractions and in this holy week, this passion week, it's about honing in. It's about focusing in, stepping uh, into something, stopping the traffic in life and stopping the traffic in our heads and in our mind to hear what it is that God has to say to us. It would be easy to read this story and to think, well, man, Jesus must have been having a bad day. I mean, Jesus sounds a little irritated, frustrated. He didn't like fig trees. Jesus is anti-fig. Jesus doesn't like tables. You could read this and, and wonder, man, what, what's going on? But the true meaning in these sacred moments is not the literal meaning, it's the symbolism that's behind it. Jesus isn't anti-fig, Jesus isn't anti-table. Jesus sees the people that he loves, the people that he's come to die for, and they're missing the moment. They're missing the moment. And that's the question I want to ask you. Are you... Are you missing the moment? When you come to church, are you missing the moment? Are you missing the moment at times in your life through the week when you're, you know, you're praying but you're not really focused on it? It's, I'm like checking a box. I'm reading my Bible but I'm Are you missing the moment? Because it's possible. He realizes that there is no substance. There's Everything is about profession, but nothing is about practice. Everything has become a shortcut. It's, it's busyness. It's activity. Minor things have replaced really important things. And no longer is my house a house of prayer and a house of presence. It has become a footpath through the place of God's presence. It's become a footpath through the place of prayer. And I see a lot of fruitlessness i don't see much fruitfulness i see a lot of fruitlessness and a lot of activity and jesus knows that the fate of fruitlessness is not good 
That we were not created for that. We were created for more than that. We were created to know God. We were created for a purpose. It's, it's about more than just us. He calls us to, to be about more than just us. We're called to live a life where we are fulfilled and we're helping other people. We're serving in a life that has meaning, context. Why? So that we can make a difference in the lives of, of other people. It's not just about us. Jesus said a fig tree with no fruit is not really what this is all about. But Israel has become that. And in the temple, there's a lot of commerce and there's a lot of busyness, but there's not really any connection and there's no communion. And Jesus just decided to put a stop to it. I think that we may have created the modern temple. I fear that we may have a thoroughfare in our minds. Let me describe how this happens for me. We'll see if this resonates with you, but this happens to me from time to time, and I should know better. I'm going to read my Bible. I've got, you know, I'm going to take some time and read my Bible and pray, meditate, try and center myself, just spend a few minutes with the Lord and see what he might say to me. And, and so there's my Bible there, and of course, I got old trusty, right? That goes right there. And I'm reading, I'm trying to pray, I'm trying to think through, I'm reading some stuff and just trying to think through, okay, what is, what's, this, what's it saying, what's it mean to me? I'll pray a little bit, ding, ding. I have different ringtones for my kids. If my boys send me a text, it's going to sound different than if you send me a text. And I can be in another room and if my, I hear my phone make that noise, if it's the right noise, I know which son it is. Because I've got music assigned to them, and you know maybe that's the the sound that I hear. It's it's it's. I get an email, and it's like, you know, it makes a different sound. Um, ding. Trying to read, trying to study, trying to pray. Ding, ding. And now my Insta goes off. I got something happening on Instagram, and what's that all about? And news update, breaking news. Breaking news. This is really important. You should stop everything. Update, update, notification. Oop, I got a direct message that makes a different noise altogether. Tweet, 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 tweet. So I'm finally like, okay. You know, I'm going to choke that thing. I'm going to turn it off. It's not going to make any more noise. So it's now in silent mode. Now I got a different problem. Bzz. Bzz. It's just on and on. Bzz. Bzz. Now, I should know better, right? Turn it off, put it in another room. It shouldn't be right there. I have created a thoroughfare in my mind. I am the modern temple. I am I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, but it is a modern temple. And there is much activity, but there is often no adoration. The fig tree is so leafy. We look good. But there aren't any figs. There's no fruit. What would Jesus say? Jesus would say, look, I've got some alerts for you. I've got an update. I've got some breaking news. 
By my stripes you have been healed. Here's an update for you. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. I am the one that will heal you, free you, forgive you, set you free. Those are the notifications we need. Those come from the word of God. The fig tree is a symbol of Israel. God sent Jesus. He sent the prophets. He says, I came, but you weren't hearing. You weren't listening. The temple was a symbol of the presence of God for the people. I came, but you were, there were so many distractions. And he says to us today, I came for you. I came here for you. And you're distracted. Dino Rizzo is one of my favorite preachers. And he he preached at at a church in New Orleans for a while. You should hear him talk. He's awesome. He tells a story about how when his dad, he was a little boy, and his dad worked for the state fair. And every uh, August, September time frame, his dad would, you know, they'd be in meetings and do different things. And I don't know what his dad did, but he, he was in a position where if there were, like, if they had, there would be times that there would be things left over that they were basically just going to throw away or that they didn't need, like different things. He said one day, dad came home with a bunch of helium balloons. He said there were big ones, there were little ones, there were balloons inside of balloons. And he said, I'm a little kid. Dad comes through the door with all these balloons. And he says, here, do you know these are for you? And, and he said, I went out into the yard with my handful of balloons. And I'm hopping around. <laughs> and I'm, I'm watching the balloons. I'm looking over my shoulder at how the balloons move in the air. And I'm just having the best time. <laughs> watching the balloons. And he smacked into the back of his dad's Grand Torino and knocked himself out. I think that's us. I think we got a lot of balloons in the air and we're watching them. We're watching them. And sometimes we can run right into the back of Dad's Grand Torino. There are a lot of parked cars in life. Parked cars for your kids, for your family, for your job, for your marriage, for your business. The world is full of parked cars. And you got to watch where you're going and you got to be careful what you're looking at lest you run into the back of Dad's Grand Torino. In this series, we watch where Jesus goes and it helps us to see where we're going. Helping, watching Him helps us look at our life and it speaks to us and it says, hey, here's truth and here's peace and here's direction. I'd like to suggest for you four declarations this morning. You're thinking, man, he's just getting to the meat of the sermon. Trust me, I'm almost done, okay? Almost done. Four declarations. I told you that I'm trying to get us to take a step closer, right? A a step up in our passion level. These are four declarations we can make that, that I think can help get us there. The first one is this. I will not be distracted in the distractions, even when there are distractions, I'm not going to get distracted. I love the commercial that's out right now. It's, it's Mayhem. You know those Mayhem commercials? That dude is awesome. But the one where he's in the car and he's a teenager and he's got his phone and he's trying to get his mom to look at the phone. Mom, look, look, look. And she will not look at the phone, right? She's worried about getting her driver discount. She's like, she tells him, I'm not looking at your phone. That's the image, okay? Ignoring everything that's a distraction. You just can't get distracted in the distractions. Don't you wish you could delete all the distractions in life? Just be like a monk. 
But you know as well as I do that that's probably not going to happen. We're not going to get rid of the distractions in life, or at least a lot of them, but you can live your life in a way where you will not be distracted. You can do a little better than you're doing. There's little places where you can steal that from time to time. One of those is, um, here's a hint for you, just if you're going to go pick the kids up and you've got to go across town, turn the radio off. Ride in silence. Say some prayers. Just you and Jesus in the car. Talk about whatever comes up. What's worried? What are you worried about? What are you happy about? What are you thankful for? Is there something you really wanted to ask that you've been asked, wanting to ask for a while? You, wanna, you got something you need to get off your chest? Let's talk about it. Just turn the radio off. I think what you might find is that if you do that enough times, you're going to drive a lot more with the radio off. Maybe, maybe that's not it for you. Maybe you go out into the yard and you pick up sticks after a storm. And every time you pick up a stick, you just give God one more thing you're thankful for. All the sticks in the yard, man, I'm thankful for that. Man, I'm so thankful for my family. I'm thankful. For, God, you give me a car that works every day. Thank you. I got friends. Thank you. I had a, I had a great dad. Thank you. Just whatever, whatever you can be thankful for you, you just as you're picking up sticks. Maybe you go out and you walk the dog, and just as you walk the dog, you're just having a conversation with God, just talking about, man, God, I wish <laughs> this dog depends on me for everything. I wish I was that way with you. This dog doesn't worry about anything. I provide everything for this dog. You know what? That's kind of how you want to be with me. You want me to be that dependent on you. What, what can you do to kind of remove some of the distractions you can, you can value God's word. You can feed on it. So that even in the distractions, you yourself are not distracted. That's the first one. Second declaration, I will not be shaken in the shaking. In your life, there's going to be some shaking. Of that, I'm certain. Trouble's coming. We say at Cross Lane, the wind is going to blow. It's not a matter of if it's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen. You are one of three people. You are going into trouble, you're in the middle of some trouble right now, or you're coming out of trouble. But one of those three things is true about you. There is a whole lot of shaking going on in our world right now. How many of you just had a Jerry Lee Lewis flashback? We've had a couple of years of shaking, haven't we? Some of you... I know what's going on in your world. You're going through shaking right now. Some of you have experienced tremendous pain. Tremendous confusion. Tremendous trouble, shaking in your life. But could we declare, I will not be shaken. My faith is going to stay firm. I will not let my faith be shaken even though it's, the world is shaking me right now. One of the ways you can do that is to be in relationship, to be in community, church, small group, a ministry team, a ladies group, or a men's thing. I, I couldn't begin to count how many times. I've been in this church. I've been a part of this place for I'm in, I'm over 30 years now. And I've lost track of how many times when I was going through a shaking, I had somebody come around me, either from a small group or 
from the staff or from one of the elders or sometimes one of you that knows what's going on and you just come up, put an arm around me, hey, I got you, I got you, it's okay. You need anything, you let me know. I'm praying for you. I'm watching you, I know what you're going through. I just want you to know from the outside looking in, you're doing good. You might be falling apart on the inside, but you're holding it together, you're doing good. We need that. When you're going through the shaking, you need somebody to help you come along and not be shaken. A good godly relationship will stabilize you. They, they come along and they say, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. That's, that's, that's going to pass. That's gonna, it's going to be okay. Don't be distracted by that. A good relationship can help center you and bring you back. Here's the third declaration. I will not be discouraged in the discouragement. Discouragement is coming. You hear that train whistle? That's discouragement. It's coming down the tracks. Bad things happen. Negative people happen. I've met some people that discouragement for them was like an Olympic sport. And they were gold medalists. I mean, just like, how do you? That's a gift, man. How do you do that? Do you know what? You can live life in such a way that even when you're discouraged, when the discouragement comes, you yourself are not discouraged. And one of the ways you can do that is what you're doing right now. You've, you've put yourself in a great place. You've surrounded yourself with good people. You've come to church. You've come to be encouraged. You've come to worship. You've come to, to, to listen to what God has to say. That's how, you, that's how you stave off discouragement when you're going through it. That's how you keep it at arm's length. I get asked, probably one of the, I'm never going to write a book about pastoring. I have a book I want to write, but it's not about that. But if, if somebody asked me, what are the top five questions that you've gotten as a pastor, this would be one of the questions. Brett, do I have to go to church to be a Christian? Do I have to go to church to be a Christian? I'm going to be honest with you. The answer is, you know, it's a scary answer for a pastor to give. I'm going to tell you the answer is no. Now, some pastors would disagree with me. I don't think you have to go to church to be a Christian, but here's the caveat I'm going to give you. If you were in the army, would you want to go to battle by yourself or would you want the army around you? Yeah. You want the resources. You want somebody to have your back. You want somebody on the left and the right. If you get wounded, you want somebody to carry you off the field. If you're out there by yourself, you're, you're going to get sniped. Eventually, somebody's going to get you. That's why you come to church don't try to go through life, you and Jesus, on your own. You're not equipped for that. You're not ready for that. Your success rate is going to be miserable. But when you put yourself surrounded by good people who love you, who care about you, who will pray for you, who will support you, that's what we do. I'm encouraged by you lost track how many times I've had somebody known what I was going through hey I know I know and I'm praying for you I told I talked to mom this week and I said mom I just wish you could know how many people have walked up to me and asked me how you're doing she said you're kidding me I said no mom they they love you and they're worried about you that's what the army does that's what the family does you need that I'm not going to get distracted. I'm not going to get shaken. I'm not going to get discouraged. And then finally, I will fix my eyes on Jesus. Let's look 
Let's look at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I love the way the uh, New Century Version says this. Let us look only to Jesus. Gas prices are going up. I will only look to Jesus. I have this knot in my stomach. Keep looking at Jesus. I've got anxiety and depression and change and uncertainty. Fix my eyes on Jesus. What did they say about me? Fix your eyes on on Jesus. Wars and rumors of wars, fix your eyes on Jesus. Conflict in my relationship, fix your eyes on Jesus. Temptation to return to some addiction that has given you fits, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fear of what's going to happen tomorrow, debt, fix your eyes on Jesus. What about this, what am I going to do with this roommate that's giving me all kinds of trouble? Fix your eyes on Jesus. What am I going to do when I graduate? Fix your eyes on Jesus. I'm going to watch him through the Passion Week. He's going to say something to me. He is my answer. He is my model. He is my hope. He is my Savior and Lord. His journey is my journey, and he is going to see me through until he calls me home. That's what I know about God. He's going to see me through until he calls me home. I will have a lot of memories of my mother when she passes away. I will have a lot of things that will mean a lot to me. But I think the number one thing I'm going to hear my mother say to me in her absence, and she's not, hopefully, that's not anytime soon. She's in pretty good health, but one day I won't have her anymore. But I will still be able to hear her in my mind because the thing she said to me the most is, Brett Charles, you know it's serious when you get to that. Brett Charles, has God ever not been there for you? Has God ever let you down? No, Mom. Um, I can't ever really think of a time when God let me down. Okay. Okay, then. You just know that he's not going to let you down and at the end, when it's all over, you're going to go be with him. You win, Brett. You're going to win. You don't have to worry. You don't have to be fretful. You don't have to fear. God is not going to let you down until he finally calls you home. And even then, you win. Yes, mother. Thank you, mom. Don't get distracted. Don't lose hope. Don't get shaken in the shaking. Don't be discouraged by the discouragement. Don't get distracted in the distractions. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Take one step closer. One step higher in passion. Let's pray together. Father, you're amazing. I'm so thankful that you gave us a record of of Jesus' words and life so that we can draw inspiration and strength, so that we can hear the master teacher, so that we can know what's important to you and how to do this thing called life. And God, we are never going to nail this. We're never going to be perfect at it. It's a pipe dream. I know that. But Lord, we want to be better at it, and I pray that you would help us to do that. I know you want to help us. I pray that we'd be able to hear you through all of the noise and all of the distractions. Father, I know this. These people in this room love you. 
They didn't just come here this morning because it's just something to do on a Sunday. They've come because they love you. And they desire to live a life that is stronger and better for you. And I pray that you would empower them to do that as they leave this place. I pray it all in the precious, holy, beautiful name of Jesus and all God's people.